Thanks, guys. Is, uh, is there anybody else who's thinking about doing a family Sabbath? Is anybody else thinking about starting that practice or teetering or maybe you're arguing and maybe you're thinking maybe we should? Anybody else considering that? Maybe? Anne is? <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, we talked about this a few a few weeks ago when we went through the, the fourth commandment on the Sabbath. And yeah, it's just, I, I love what Eric said, that it's just a chance for us to remember that we're not God. And, you know, it's it's hard to be God. <laughs> well, it's not hard for God to be God, but it's impossible for anybody else to be God. And yeah, we just have so much anxiety, so much strife, so much stress, because we think that everything depends on us. And so, yeah, God just invites us to stop. And so I just encourage everybody to be thinking about that. What does it look like? Again, like Eric said, it's not a, it's not a law. You know, a few weeks ago when we talked about the command to honor the Sabbath, we said it's something that God wants for you, not something that God wants from you. So I just encourage you all to be thinking about that. What does it look like for you and your family if you're not currently experiencing peace and, and rest and that stillness that God wants us to have, what does it look like to, and you know, if you wait until, like, like Eric and Samantha were talking about, if you, you have to be willing to miss out on some stuff, right? If you wait until all the work's done or if you wait until, well, you know, there's nothing scheduled this week, so I guess we'll rest then, it'll, it'll, it'll never happen. So I just encourage you all to be, to be thinking about that. Well, let me pray for us, and then we'll get into the the Tenth Command. Can I believe we're, well, uh, maybe you're thinking, gosh, we've been in the Ten Commandments forever. <laughs> but we are uh, at the end of our time talking about the Ten Commandments. So let me pray for us, and then we can we can dive into that. Heavenly Father, you are the Lord of the Sabbath. You are the Lord of all of our time. You're the Lord of every area of our lives. And so, Father, we just submit to you, and we ask that you would be honored and that you would be glorified uh, through us. And so, Father, I pray that you would just speak through me, speak through your word as we talk about what it means to have a heart that delights in you instead of coveting what our neighbors have. And I pray that you just work in the hearts of each of my brothers and sisters here today. God, give us hearts that are pleasing to you and give us hearts that are at rest and that are, are full of joy in the fruit of the Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, like I said, we are at the we're to the last command, to the 10th command. Um, and, and I hope, you know, as we've been going through this, you know, I hope what's stood out, and, you know, I, we try to make this clear, is that the 10 commands, and we said this from the beginning, that it's not about, hey, if you want to go to heaven, here's 10 rules to not break, and if you, you screw up, then oops, you know, out of luck. But that's not what it's about at all, that these are, these are not things that God gave to the Israelites and said, hey, here's 10 things. If you do these for a year and I come back in a year and you're still doing them, then I'll save you out of Egypt. He said, he, he rescues them out of Egypt. And he says, look, I'm the God 
who brought you out of Egypt, and I want to bless you. And let me give you 10 ways, 10, 10 rules, 10 laws that show you what it looks like to live in relationship with me, to live the life you were designed to live. And so we, as with each of these that we've talked about, we've said that yeah, this isn't something that God wants to just hang over our head and beat us up with. This is something God's inviting us into so we can experience more of him and we can experience more of the abundant life that, that, he, wants to, that he wants to give to all of us. So let's look at the, the last command, the 10th command, which is in Exodus chapter 20. Exodus 20, verse 17. Right, Exodus 20, verse 17. This is what it says. It says, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's, okay? So this is the 10th command. Now, so what does it mean to covet? Well, the word covet, the, the Hebrew word the, in, this, the, in the original language, Hebrew, that the Bible was written in, the word that's translated in our English Bibles, covet, it literally means to delight in something or to desire something. To delight in something or to desire something. All right, so is it a is it a bad thing to delight in something or to desire something? Is it? No, no. The, the, those are our desires, our ability to delight in things. That's part of being made in the image of God. God has desires. God delights in things. We're made in His image, so 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 do we. So, um, we were made to delight in things and to desire things, and that's not bad. That's a good thing. Like C.S. Lewis famously says, the problem with, with people, it's not that our desires are too big and we need to kind of like, you know, snuff them out. It's our desires are too small and that we point them at the wrong things. And that's kind of what this is talking about here. So it literally means to delight in or to desire. Well, so if that's the case, there's some things that it's good to quote unquote covet, right? Maybe we wouldn't say it that way. But there's some things it's good to, to, to covet or to delight in or to, to desire, right? Let me give you a couple examples. Let's, let's go to Psalm 19. Psalm chapter 19. We're just going to look at two examples of things that God tells us we should, and again, we wouldn't use this word, that we should covet, that we should long for, that we should treasure, that we should delight ourselves in, okay? So Psalm 19 uh, verse 7 through 10. This is what it says. It says, The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Okay, so he's talking about this God that made us, who, who speaks to us, and he gives us his word. He, he tells us who he is, he tells us who we are, and he tells us how to live. And, and, and so that's what he's talking about. And then look at what he says in verse 10. He says, 
more to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. So what he's saying is like that, that God, knowing God, knowing God's words, living according to God's words, that's like better than, you know, you get the best looking ice cream sundae and you pile the toppings on and you put your favorite, you know, syrup and like, oh, it tastes so good. That's what it's like when we, that's what it's like to have God's words. And the, the point I'm trying to make is that in verse 10, when it says, again, talking about knowing God and knowing his word, in verse 10, it says, more to be desired are they than gold, even a lot of really nice gold. And this word desire is the same word in Exodus 20, verse 17, this translated to covet. Okay, so what should we covet? Well, we should, we should covet God and we should covet his word. Make sense? So um, I don't know if you've ever experienced this before. I, I still remember when I was, you know, I became a Christian when I was, when I was a little kid with my, my parents. And, um, but I remember very vividly, and, you know, maybe some of you, some of you students, y'all are kind of in this stage right now, and you're, maybe you're experiencing this right now, maybe, maybe you're not, I don't know, maybe some of you that are not students are. It's not necessarily a thing that happens at one particular life stage. But for me, I remember when I was in ninth grade, and that was the time when my faith, it's like my faith went from being, it's like my faith went from being a bowl of oatmeal to being like this gigantic ice cream sundae that I just couldn't get enough of. <laughs> Does that make sense? It's like it went from being something like, yeah, we do this, and like, yeah, I, I, I don't, like, like I, I don't want to you know, screw my wife up, so I'm going to do these things, and yeah, we believe these things. It's all of a sudden being like, are you kidding me? The God who created the universe, he loves me? The God who, you mean he actually speaks to me? He, he, he has, he's, he's caused, he's inspired things to be written down for me? The God who made the sun and the moon, he, he has things to say to me about how I should live? And he loves me, and he calls me his son. And I remember when I was in ninth grade, we would sing this, this song in my church. This was at South Carolina at the time. We, we would sing, Be Thou My Vision. I feel like it was about the time that, that song was kind of getting, uh, getting popular with the passion. I, I, forget, I don't know who was kind of bringing it back, but, um, but, but I, I heard that song for the first time in ninth grade. And I remember just sitting in class in ninth grade, and, um, and this never happened before. But I remember sitting there in class in ninth grade, just my heart being so full of joy, just thinking about God, just thinking about, man, I'm God's, I'm God's child. He loves me. I'll get to be with him forever. All right, that's what it's like to covet God. And, we, and I don't know if you've experienced that or not. It all ebbs and it flows. But, but that's one thing that we should covet. Another thing that God tells us we should covet is our, and, you know, we got to be careful how we understand this, um, turn with me to, to Song of Solomon. <laughs> Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 3. It's not going to be one of those sermons, don't worry. All right, Song of Solomon, uh, chapter 2, verse 3. Um, so uh, another thing that God tells us we should, we should covet or we should delight in or we should desire is our our husband or our wife. Okay, look at what it says here. This is in Song of Solomon. It's, uh, 
um, I mean, it's a very like it's a very uh, detailed, very in some it kind of feels graphic in, in some places. Uh, depiction of these two lovers, uh, of a husband and a wife, and the, the way they they love each other, and how God's blessed them with with marriage and with romance and, and with sex, and it's celebrating that. And um, and and look at what it says in chapter two, verse three. And this is the this is the bride talking about talking about the groom. All right, it says, and you know we don't you know, maybe wives you could if you really want to impress your husband you could you could use this type of language talking to him later. She says, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my beloved among, among the young men. Lindsay, how come you never say that to me? <laughs> as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so, my beloved, so is my beloved among the young men. And then she says, with great delight. And this is that word that's translated covet again. With great delight, I sat in his shadow and his fruit was sweet to my taste. Okay, so, and, and again, this word, with great delight, is the same word in Exodus 20, 17 that's translated to, to covet, same word in Psalm 1910 that's talking about more to be desired are the, the laws of the Lord. So what she's saying, she's talking about this, this desire and this just sense of, of, of fullness and the sense of happiness that wells up in her heart when she's with her, with her husband. And I mean... It, I mean, many of us have experienced that, right? I still remember when Lindsay and I first started dating, and it was like, you could just, I mean, it didn't matter what happened. You just could not knock the smile off of my face. I mean, it was just, there's that sense of like, man, if just knowing that this person cares about me and that we can, that we can be together, like that's, I'm just so, I'm just so happy. I'm so content. I'm so full of joy, right? So, so those are two things that God tells us to to, to quote-unquote covet, to covet our own wife or our own husband, and also to covet the Lord. Okay, so what's going on in, in uh, Exodus 20 then? Why is it saying you shall not covet? Well, look at what it says. It doesn't just say, you know, hey, stop being such needy people with desires. You should just, you know, go sit in the corner and, like, read scripture all day and, and like it. That's not what it's saying. It's saying that you shall not covet, what? Things that don't belong to you. It talks about your neighbor's wife and your neighbor's house and your neighbor's servant and your neighbor's possessions and things like that. So when, when our desires go wrong, when we start coveting things that don't belong to us. So this is, as a side note, in Genesis chapter 3, when it says that Eve, you know, God gave him everything, and there's one tree in the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, and, and he says, don't eat from the fruit of that tree, because it won't be good for you if you do. And Eve is looking at it, and the snake's tempting her, and then it says that when Eve saw that the fruit was desirable to make one wise, guess what word that is? It's the same word that's translated to covet. And, and so what's happening there is that Eve is looking at something that doesn't belong to her. It's the only thing in the whole garden that doesn't belong to her. It belongs to God. And, and, and she, she says, I, I really need this. And this is what the 10th tenth, the tenth commandment is talking about. You remember a few weeks ago when we were uh, going through this series on our need for a Savior? Remember that? And we talked about how our hearts are tricky Anybody remember that? Our hearts are kind of like con artists there. And one thing we said is that one of the ways our hearts trick us is that they tell us that, I think the way I said it was that our hearts will tell us that 
that bad things are good and that good things are God. So what often happens, what our hearts will, will do, the, the, sin, the sinfulness in our hearts, is that, um, is that, you know, we'll be living our life and then we see something. And very often, you know, it's not something that we have. It's something that our, our neighbor has. You know, we, we go to dinner at somebody's house and, you know, we see their house or we, we hear them talking about their job or we, we see their, their wife or their girlfriend or their husband or their boyfriend or we see the way their kids behave or something. And, and there's just something in our heart that just says, I have to have that. I really, I, if I only had that, then I could be happy. You know why I'm not happy right now? You know what my problem is? I don't have that. And I think some examples of this today are, you know, it talks in this passage about do not covet your neighbor's wife or your neighbor's husband. I mean, I think if we're being honest, a lot more than we'd like to admit, I mean, how... How often have we kind of thought, man, wouldn't it be nice to be married to him? Man, wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be nice to be married to, to her? Yeah, look, at, look, at the way, look at the way he pays attention to his wife. Look at the way, look at the way she shows respect to her. Man, you know, my, my husband doesn't do that. My wife doesn't do that. Man, if I only had that, then I could, and then, and then there you go. And we start to, to covet, we start to long for our neighbor's, our neighbor's spouse. Or what about, what, what about a house? You know, we, when you, you see somebody's house and like, man, like, you know, you're, you're renting something and then somebody else has this awesome house that's just, you know, decorated, really cool, all this stuff. And, and all of a sudden, you know, you're, you're like, man, I have to, I cannot be okay with all of a sudden, you know, my three bedroom house just doesn't cut it anymore. <laughs> right. Or my whatever size TV, when I see their TV, like I need a TV like that. Right. We're coveting our, our neighbor's possessions. What about this one? I think this is a big one for us today. What about status? Do you think we ever covet the status that other people have? Does that resonate with anybody? I know that resonates with me a lot. You know, I remember a time, I remember a time when I was in, this was several years ago when I was still living in China. And um, I was talking to a friend who, good friend, this is a great friend, nothing bad to say about this person. Um, and this, this friend was, he was getting a PhD. Okay, he was going to, he was going to, to seminary and or he was going to, I forget which university, and he was working on a PhD. And um, so I have never, I have never wanted to get a PhD. All right, that's something about me. I've, you know, when I heard people say, well, it's great, you know, you spend about seven years and they don't pay you any money and you work for about 100 hours a week and when you get halfway in, somebody tells you that everything you did is wrong and you have to start over. And then afterwards, you have all this debt and you can't get a job. So come on, join the program. <laughs> that was never something that appealed to me. 
is I'm talking with my friend, right? And my friend's like, oh, he, I mean, he wasn't doing this way. He, he was, he, there's nothing wrong that he was doing. And uh, he, was, he was talking about, okay, you know, this is, and it's, it's obvious, right? Because this is what he was doing. He, he was spending a lot of time on it. So of course, he's, you know, we're friends, he's going he's gonna to talk about it. Nothing wrong with that. But he's sharing about the classes he's taken and like the degree he's going to get. And now he has to, you know, read these books and write these papers. And, you know, he wants to get this degree and then do this other thing with it. And there's this, again, my heart, my little con artist heart was like, how come he gets to have a PhD? I'm just as smart as him. No, I'm smarter than him. I work just as hard. If anybody deserves a PhD, it's me. They shouldn't be listening to him. They should be listening to me. And, and I, I'm, again, it's not his fault. It was just me being an idiot. Um, like the time playing pickleball serving that some of y'all might remember. Um, <laughs> but but, uh, but, but I, I literally, I caught myself later that afternoon and I was thinking, okay, well, I've got to, you know, I've got to finish my master's and I've got to apply to these schools and then it might be hard. We might have to, you know, take some extra trips back to America and then I have to rearrange my schedule and I have to, you know, you know pick a topic. I want to, and I, I, all of a sudden I realized I, I'm going down this road thinking about getting this PhD that I don't even want because I'm coveting my, the status that I perceive my neighbor getting with this, with this degree. Has anybody been there before? <laughs> and the thing about coveting, the thing about coveting is that, again, we, we look at that thing and we, and we think that, oh, if we just had that, it's going to make us happy. But the thing about coveting is that it leads to destruction. And what it does, it destroys our joy and it destroys our relationships. Think about it. You know, like, you might have a perfectly good house. Uh, you have a great house. You have a nice house. But then once you go and see so-and-so's house, you come back and you're like, oh, my house. And, and, and then you don't like your house. Right? You, and God, God might have blessed you with a, with a, with a, great, with a, with a great wife or with a great husband. Um, but, but then when you start thinking about that person and like, oh, you know, that person looks like this or that person does this or that person treats their partner like that, then all of a sudden you don't like your spouse anymore. And you go from being, you could be perfectly happy in your marriage and then now you're, now you're not. You could be perfectly happy in your house and then now, now you're not. It steals, it steals your, your joy. You could be happy with, with your job, but, but now you're not because you're coveting somebody else's status or somebody else's position. All right, so the first thing it does, it, it steals our joy. And the second thing, it ruins our relationships. It ruins our relationships. Think about all these things, all of the other commandments. If you think about coveting, you know, what happens when you start, what happens when you start coveting your neighbor's wife? What does that lead to? Leads to adultery, right? So you're, you're breaking more commandments. What happens when you start coveting your neighbor's stuff? Well, you might, you might steal it. What happens when you start coveting your, the status or the position that your neighbor has? Well, you start saying, okay, well, maybe, maybe if more people knew some of these things I know about that person, then he wouldn't get this promotion and he would kind of get knocked back down to size and you start bearing false witness. You start gossiping. What about Sabbath rest? Why can't we rest sometimes? Well, I think sometimes the reason that we can't rest is because we're too busy 
chasing after these things that we're coveting. I can't, you know, I can't turn my phone off for six hours on a Sunday afternoon. You know, what if, what if my client this, or, you know, what if, what if I miss an opportunity, right? So it, it, it robs our joy and it ruins our relationships. So, so, so what are we supposed to do with this? I mean, I, I feel like this is especially one of those where it's kind of like, okay, God says, do not covet. Do not covet your neighbor's stuff. And we're just kind of like, well, too late. <laughs> I already am. <laughs> oh, what does that mean? Am I, am I just not in the club now? Does that, do I have to do some type of penance? I mean, wh- what do I do? So this is what we're supposed to do. And again, we so often think about these as like rules that we have to strive to, you know, and if we don't make it, then shame on us. And, but this is what we're supposed to do. Um, so th- three things that if you find yourself with, if your heart, like my heart, is being a little con artist and is telling you, you know, if you had, if you were married to him or if you had that job or if you just had lived in this neighborhood, then you could be happy. If, if your heart, like mine, is being a little con artist and is telling you that, this is what I recommend you doing. And this is what we talked about a couple of weeks ago, um, this concept of the, something I sometimes call spiritual breeding. And, um, yeah, and it's, it's something that's so important to be putting into practice in every area of our lives, and including, including this one. I'd say especially this one. So, so three steps. First of all, just confess. It, just, just confess it. Just, just say, God, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coveting. You know, I, I'm, I'm jealous of, I'm jealous of that person's house. I'm jealous of that person's job. I'm jealous of that person's, of their, of their family. Right? I'm jealous of their money. God, I'm, I'm coveting things that you have chosen to give to them, and you haven't chosen to give to me. All right, so the first, the first thing we do is we, is we confess, is we confess our sin. It, not, not like we're before a firing squad, but, but kind of like going to a doctor where the doctor's like, where's, where's it hurting? Well, here, this is where it's hurting. And the doctor doesn't say, okay, well, let me try to make it hurt more. <laughs> the doctor fixes it. And that's what we're doing when we're confessing. We're saying, God, here's where, here's where, here's where the cancer is. This is the thing I need you to take away from me. Okay, so the first step is we confess. The, the second step is to practice thankfulness. Okay, to practice thankfulness. And y- you might say, well, okay, let me say this first. So, you know, a- again, we're always going to find somebody who has a little bit nicer house. And, and gosh, you know, I, I feel like it's really cliche to say social media, but it's true. Like just looking at everything you could follow on Pinterest or Instagram or Facebook or or whatever, we're always going to be just bombarded with images of houses that are better than our house or people that are more successful than us or people that look nicer than we look, or we're always going to constantly be bombarded with, with uh, stories about people whose romance is more exciting than our marriage or, or stuff like that. Um, what we need to do is we need to practice thankfulness and say, okay, God, here's, yeah, I could list things that, you know, I wish were different about my marriage or about my house or about my life. Here's some of the things I'm thankful for. 
and and to start just start listing them off. Here's the things I appreciate about my wife. Here's the things I appreciate about my house. Here's the things I appreciate about my financial state. And again, if we if we find we can't do that, we're just too bitter, we're too sad, we're too lonely, too whatever. Then what do we do? We ask God to help us. We say, God, take away this covet this covetousness. Take away this bitterness, take away this self-pity, and give me a heart of thankfulness. Do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, and, and he'll, he'll do it. He'll help us. Okay, that's number two. Practice, thank, practice thankfulness. Number three, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in the Lord. You know, I, I talked at the beginning about how, you know, I remember when it was like, my relationship with God went from being this plain bowl of oatmeal to being like this delicious ice cream sundae. I, I, I talked about that, and especially for me, just some of those songs that I remember, they would just resonate in my heart, and I would catch myself just singing them to myself and just having that heart full of joy. And if you've, if you've been a Christian for, for any length of time, you know, maybe you've experienced that, um, but if you have experienced that, I, I would guess you've also experienced, like, like I have too, that that doesn't that doesn't last forever. It, it you know it's we can have highs and, and and we can have lows. You know we can have times where we feel so close to God and our hearts just on fire, thinking about how much God loves us and how much we love God. But but then we can have times, can't we, where it's like God feels really far from us, where God feels really distant from us, and so. I find myself, I found myself last night, even just getting ready to speak on this, just praying to the Lord and saying, God, you know, I, I need you to help me to delight in you. You know, prayer kind of feels like eating the bowl of cold oatmeal right now. I need you to make it be like that ice cream sundae again. I need you to, the way David says it, restore to me the joy of my salvation. Because the truth is, God, I'm walking around and you know, I'm so stressed out. I'm so worried about that email. I don't know how I'm going to respond to. I'm so worried about that, you know, that upcoming expense that I'm not sure how I'm going to pay. And I haven't thought at all about the fact that the creator of the universe loves me, that he's forgiven my sins, and I'm going to live in heaven with him forever. I haven't thought about that at all. God, help me open my eyes so I can see how, so I can see that your, that you, that your love, that your law, that your word is more to be coveted, to be desired, even than gold, even much fine gold. Say, so God, and, and, and again, that doesn't come from me. Say, so God, I, you have to open my heart through the power of the Holy Spirit. You have to do that inside me. And the great thing is, if we ask God for help, I mean, if there's one thing that we should know from our study in Exodus, right, if there's one thing we should take away, God is the God that when his people cry out to him and say, God, we need help, he helps, doesn't he? He's the God that when his people have been slaves in Egypt for 400 years and they cried out to him, they, they hadn't been having their quiet times. They hadn't been, you know, they had, they'd probably been sinning in a million different ways. But when they cried out to him, he was there. And then when they cried out to him, 
when the Egyptians were bearing down on him, he was there. He made a way. And just like he did that to save them, then that's the same God that says in Romans 8 that we're supposed to put our sin to death by the power of the Holy Spirit. And just like he showed up for the Israelites when they were trapped up against the Red Sea, he'll show up for you and for me when we find our hearts running after other people's wives and other people's careers and other people's houses, and we need his help to help us to, to covet him instead. Okay, so let's ask him to do that, because when we do, he will. Now let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, we love you. And God, I just need to ask you right now to, to come through the power of the Holy Spirit and to take away those the, the coveting that I have of things that belong to other people in my heart. And God, you know what those things are. I just pray you would take, the, take those things away and you just replace it with the delight, a delight in you and a, thanks, a thankfulness for what you've given to me. And God, I, I pray for my brothers and sisters that are here. Lord, you know the things, that, the things that are drawing them away from you right now. You know the things that, that they feel they can't live without right now. And so God, I just pray that you would work in each and every one of our hearts so that we can truly be content and we can truly delight in you and we can receive all the things that you've given to us with thanksgiving. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.